Hi, everybody. Welcome to Total Wellness, episode 48 with Dan Young, the country doctor here in Cheyenne, Wyoming. So thankful that you're willing to take the time out of your busy schedule and give me your attention. We know, we know with certainty that this audio version, this podcast is going to bring you a lot of a lot of enhancement and a lot of really good understanding when it comes to the uh, nutritional aspect of daily eating, daily food combining. We're not going to talk about testing. We're not going to talk about supplements. We're really going to dive deep on diet and the things that people need to focus on and become aware of. So welcome to episode 48. We're going to start here in just a few minutes. And uh, we do have an audience in the other room, but I thought I'd just do the intro now where it's a bit quieter. And uh, thank you again for your attention. If you have any questions or comments, please feel welcome to text me at 307-631-5300. And um, tonight's class is the monthly class that I do. Um, that is the Nutrition 101 class. It covers the basics, and it's a required piece of education for all of our new clients. We only do it once a month, and this is the first time we've attempted to do an audio version of this class and then put it into podcast format. So we hope you really get a lot of enjoyment and really uh, get some some good value out of it. So. I'm going to go ahead and go into the classroom here and we'll get started. Hey Lee, you made it. I thought you were going to bail on me. No, I'm here. Oh, good man. For what? 10 more minutes. 10 more minutes? Are you still going to bail on me? Welcome, everybody. Glad you're here. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedules. We are going to have... The experience tonight is kind of like sipping from a fire hydrant. (laughs) we got a lot to go over in a short period of time. And uh, tonight's class is really... I encourage you to be interactive and ask questions and pose situations so that we can uh, so that we can capture it and get your questions answered so there's my section right there I don't need that one huh yep we're always prepared Craig Somebody says it's 7 o'clock. That's me. Is that you? Oh. I always forget to turn that off. Hey guys, welcome. Need one more? How you doing here? Toby, welcome. How you doing? Good to see you. Good. Good to see you. You made it. You made it. Is it warm enough in here? Yeah. Is it a little too warm in here? Yeah. Are those heaters blowing? Is that blowing on you down there? Jill, no? Apparently not. I couldn't find it. <laughs> Is that all right? Yeah. Not doing too much? Good. Um, I can assure you that tonight's class, for some of you, it's not going to be a lot brand new, but there's going to be enough to help you really establish uh, a good understanding of how we grade food logs. How many of you are doing food logs right now? About half of you. Okay, good. Um, hey, Deborah, welcome. Sorry. No, you're fine. I think we've got a chair right there. I think that young man right there wants you to sit by him. Yeah. Be careful, he might try to hold your hand during the class. Okay. Monty, are you going to try and hold Eileen's class, hand during class? No? Okay. So there's not going to be a lot brand new, but it's going to be um, a better understanding of how we grade food logs, what we're looking for in food logs, proper food combining, and we're going to make certain that that, uh, that you understand why certain aspects of food should be eaten by themselves, away from other foods, and so forth. Now, like I said, when I first started, this class can be a little bit like sipping from fire hydrant, um, because I, I used to cover a lot of it, all of this handout information. I used to go through it in detail. I'm not going to do that anymore. We're going to do it a little differently. Everybody on the top of their stack should have a contents page. And all I'm going to do is make absolutely certain that you have what's listed here. We're not going to go in deep on it unless you ask. But everybody should have the information here on this contents page. The one we're actually going to go deep on 
is this one. That should be number one. Okay? Are those stapled? Okay, sorry. Well, this is the one we're going to go into deep detail on tonight. Probably spend about a half an hour on it. And then make certain that you have your questions answered on this issue. There's enough content in tonight's class that I'm going to cover in the next 45 minutes. It'll keep you busy for the next 12 to 18 months. <coughs> Just so you know. Now, what's that? I thought you had a question. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, that's fine. I was trying to get something. Oh, okay. Hey, big guy. Welcome back. Good to see you. Thanks, Greg. You need to pull chairs out of the back office as you can. Okay. Do you, we have we have a chair in here too. We're good. Now, when I say there's enough content there to cover you the next 12 to 18 months, I don't anticipate, nor do I expect that every single thing that I cover tonight, you're going to need. I just know that it will be beneficial to those of you that do need it. And you need to be aware of it. And you need to have access to it, right? And so we're going we're gonna to look that over and make sure that you have everything. The first thing that you should have is the nightshades flyer. Or the next thing, I should say. It should be nightshades. Does anybody not have that, that handout? I don't think so. We're good? It's after this one. This is the one we're going to spend time on, so pull it away. And the very next one should be on your list to say number one nightshades under content. Okay, now we're going to get we'll get back in line here. Um, anybody who has chronic debilitating type pains, been diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritic conditions, that type of thing, they need to pay very close attention to that flyer and then do what it suggests, and you'll be amazed. Next one should be got milk. A uh, more honest way to put it is you got pus. Come on, you're supposed to think that's gross. When we run out of these, I'm changing the title. This is Eric Daniels' work, and I'm going to see if I can get permission from him to change the title to got pus. Because pasteurized cow's milk is primarily... Every gallon has its own level of pus and blood and different things from a lactating cow. So that's what's in there. And then they just kind of run it through and sterilize it. You, you, real, you do realize that milk is only meant for baby calves, right? Okay, good. If it's real, has been tampered with by the then you might be able to handle it. But anyhow. We haven't even started her on Well, we've given her cheese and yogurt, but that's... That one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. As you can see. <laughs> she don't look like she's doing too bad. All right, the next one should be water or Coke. Question. Sure. Uh, so milk is not good for babies? No. Well, mom, milk from mom is good for babies. Uh, milk is no good. Yeah, no milk. No processed or pasteurized dairy. You want to have see children that develop ear infections at young ages and eat the tubes in their ears? Do you want to see them develop allergies at a young age and stomach problems and constipation and skin conditions? Feed them processed cow's milk. One of my friends, you know, she, she has a three-year-old and you know, she, she, you know got constipated and, uh -huh. and this, that, and the other. She can come off cow's milk and... Straighten right up. Mm -hmm. And you can also, now goat's milk's different. If you can get some like raw goat's milk, and there's a couple of sources of goat's milk in this area that we'll give to like moms that like they stop lactating, they can't feed the baby, and they still need to, you know, then we'll find them some goat's milk. And you can usually transition a baby to goat's milk pretty easily, but stay away from cow's milk. Yeah, we have Yes? What is that, kefir, K-E-F-I-R? Yeah, kefir's not the flip of a coin of whether kefir's good for everybody too. So it's kind of like kombucha. It's a uh, form of milk that's been uh, allowed to kind of go from milk into, you know how it'll go from milk to uh, sour cream and, to, you know, you yeah. can, it goes to cottage cheese. It's a form of doing that, like a fermentation. Yeah, not everybody's good with that either, so. How do you feel about whey protein? Depends on the source. I'm pretty, like, natural. Yeah. 
Uh, the best whey protein that you want to get your hands on is called Capra Mineral Whey, C-A-P-R-A, Capra Mineral Whey. It tastes amazing. It's a goat source whey. It's not cow source at all. And it's absolutely, it's just incredible. And kids will drink it in a bottle too, so. <coughs> but Capra Mineral Whey is the one I would use. That's a Dr. Jensen product, which I'm going to introduce you to Dr. Jensen's work here pretty soon. So you know where most of the most of the research, most of the stuff that I use clinically. How many of you ever heard of Dr. Bernard Jensen? We must well just go right into it. Dr. Bernard Jensen, no one? Well, Dr. Jensen, how many of you ever heard of iridology? Where they take pictures of the eyes and they do an overlay, Christy has, right? Where they do an overlay and they can actually map through the inflammation markers and different markers in the eye, different organs and systems of the body. Well, Dr. Jensen started that. He developed that. He's the one that came up with it. And in his lifetime, he saw over 400,000 patients worldwide in his lifetime, okay? And what he, he, you could give him a picture of the eyes, he'd never have to meet you. And he could tell you what your health has been like the last 10 years, if you ever broke a bone and where, about when. He could tell you what the current status of your health is right now, and on the course you're currently on in the next 10 years, what's gonna develop in terms of preventable degenerative illnesses. Pretty fascinating guy. His daughter still teaches all of his classes. He wrote well over 50 books in his lifetime. If you just go online and just look up Dr. Jensen, uh, the one I use, I might as well share it with you. I'm on Mineral Way, so. This is required studies for naturopaths or clinical nutritionists. You can see mine's gotten a workout over the years. These are hard to come by. That's Dr. Jensen right there. And in the back of this, you'll see before and after pictures. Some of these pictures are where people's skin has fallen off before and after, different infections and autoimmune problems, rheumatoid arthritis, and all that stuff. And this is back in the day when they didn't have supplementation, right? They didn't uh, grab things that were potentized in, in vitamin or capsule form or powders that people could eat. He was teaching people how to correct all this with 100% diet. 100% diet, right? In his later years, before when he was trying to retire and people wouldn't let him, he was living out in California, had his, his own little like a sanitarium, like, a, like an organic farm that he ran. And he had goats there, and he had chickens, and he had the, the garden, right? And people would come from all over the world and stay with him, and he would teach them how to eat for their ailment as long as they worked the farm while they were there. And he'd make them shovel the manure and clean muck the stalls and collect the eggs, right, and weed the garden. and. And uh, while they were there, they'd stay a week or two, and he'd teach them how to eat, and their illness would go away, and they'd go back to where they came from. He did that for thousands of people. But most people don't even know it. Know about this guy, Bernard Jensen. It's really hard to correct these days, which is nutritional, because of the soil depletion, like the minerals yeah. and stuff. Right? Yeah, this is back, and that started in the 20s. So it's not been just the last 10 or 15 or 20 years, or 30 years even, that we've had government agencies, EPA and so forth, giving us given us surveys of soil samples and, and assays showing that our, 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 they're so depleted. I'll give you an example. Um, just 15 years ago, uh, an orange, an organic orange, organic, right? Meaning no pesticides. Doesn't mean the soil was healthy. Just means it wasn't exposed to chemicals. That's the other thing people forget too. Organic doesn't necessarily mean it's healthier mm. nutrition-wise. It's just less toxic. Mm. That's what that means people but you know and they charge three times for it to right. call it organic so what happens is 20 years ago you could get 50 milligrams of complex vitamin C in an orange today it's five grown in the same area with right soil like crop rotation let the land rest I mean doing it right okay animal and land husbandry you know um, and when they were doing it right and they still can't get out of the soil what they used to so so this guy's in fact when we get to some of this at the end, I'm going to show you some stuff out of here that is pretty fascinating. So, anyhow, Capra Mineral Way, go away. That's what you want to go with. Water or Coke? I don't think we need to go into that very much. But there's some interesting, uh, there's some interesting information there regarding uh, what you can do with Coke. Blood spots off a of pavement, things of that nature. Really great for battery posts on cars. Works really good for that. Mm. Just cuts it right off there, down to nothing. Bubbles up. And... <laughs> All right, the next one should be banana fat sheep. 
you should have that. It's an interesting read. The only thing I have a caution on this is if you're on phase one foods, have a yeast or a GI tract imbalance, banana sugars can be really hard on you. So you want to avoid them. Number five, 146 reasons why sugar is ruining your health. This gal is awesome. Nancy Appleton, you can go online to her website and take her little five minute quiz, seven minute quiz, and you'll know at the end of her quiz if you're a sugar addict or not. Pretty amazing. And the other thing too is I can't imagine anybody who's serious about getting their health straight needing more than four or five reasons to knock sugar off, but here's 146. <laughs> Cholesterol, this is my favorite, one of my favorites. Nine different uh, myths about cholesterol. The bottom is where I give you my reference point. Dr. Uh, Ravenskov, he's a, he's a cardiologist. does a monthly news here, you it for free. He doesn't speak real good English, and he's even harder to listen to, but he's been working with the uh, American Heart Association, the Lancet, the uh, New England Journal of Medicine, all the conferences worldwide. He, he shows up and tries to convince these doctors to stop giving people these drugs that are killing them for, just because their cholesterol is a little high. And he points out fact after fact after fact about how it's absolutely a bogus number and you can't hang your hat on it as a diagnostic tool for future illness, period. You cannot. Here's one of the reasons we know that to be true. 20 years ago, 25 years ago, allowable cholesterol rates, the total cholesterol number in blood work in this country was 300. Today it's what? 200. Thank you. Now. And I'm just spitballing here, so you'll have to bear with me. If cholesterol is the problem, and you reduce it in a society by, oh, I don't know, a third, wouldn't you anticipate the outcome of getting rid of a third of the problem is that you see the third less risk and the development of the illnesses that it supposedly causes? I'm just guessing. I mean, wouldn't that, is that fair? Less arteriosclerosis heart attack, stroke, cardiovascular incidents. Shouldn't you see about maybe a third less? It's tripled. It's tripled. And you'll see people with low cholesterol have <coughs> Thank you for bringing that up. I'm gonna give you the name of somebody that you need to get really familiar with. His name's Dr. Joel Wallach. Dr. Joel Wallach, how many of you ever heard of that tape, Dead Doctors Don't Lie? Yeah, the audio tape. He sold uh, 37 million copies or something like that, right? It just traveled the globe. He's done several cents, like Dead Billionaires Don't Lie and um, Dead Doctors Don't Lie. He did that one. Uh, uh, live Doctors Do Lie. <laughs> He's a twist on You know? And uh, anyways, Dr. Walk's the only uh, practitioner that's uh, been able to go in before. He gets, kinda, he gets sued a lot. <laughs> and... Uh, he wheels in all of his literature when he goes into court and proves his point, and they always have a case dismissed, you know. But he's the only uh, uh, naturopath in the world who's been granted permission to make medical claims about nutrition. He's proven it that much. If you want to know his history, it's kind of fascinating. He used to be on um, Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. How many of you have ever seen that? Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom, right? He was one of the vets, dark haired guy with the big mustache. He was on there for a couple of years, and uh, he personally, he's a vet, but he's also a, a naturopath and a chiropractor, and as a veterinarian, he was, specialty was autopsies, and he's done autopsies on over 17,000 different, he's done over 17,000 different autopsies on a variety of species, not just people, but on animals, and in the veterinary kingdom, in the veterinary uh, profession, they've actually pretty much eradicated most of the degenerative illnesses that animals can get. You know how they did it? Purina. They feed them a right. They feed them the right ration. They design foods that, that that eliminate potential nutritional deficiencies. So even the stupidest one in the herd gets good nutrition, <laughs> right? And that's the stuff they've been working on for the last 50, 60 years. Well, they've pretty much eradicated close to six or seven hundred different known illnesses. It's very rare that you get a nutritionally related developmental illness with animals these days. But it happens every day with us. It happens every day. Well, he's the guy that can't come up with that. Um, cholesterol is not the boogeyman, so quit putting weight into it. 
Yeah. <laughs> Number seven, foods that heal. Several years ago, the Garden Club here in Cheyenne, I went and did a talk for them. And I didn't really know what to talk about, so I thought, well, what if I could put together a list of foods? Not all of them you can grow here in Wyoming, right? But a lot of them you can, if you're, if you're into gardening. And I put together this list, A to Z, the different foods and all the different benefits that you can use whole foods for in terms of giving your body the raw materials it needs to restore, rebuild, repair. And so that's what that handout is. Sugar control diet. I have a lot of people that for some reason they come to me and they say, I don't ever eat sugar ever. <laughs> Never do I eat sugar, never. I said, well, let's, <coughs> let's see if that's true. That's what they're thinking, yeah. That's what they're thinking, but if you don't think you have a sugar problem, then just eat this way for two weeks and let me know how long it takes to get a headache. Yeah. Usually about 24 to 48 hours. I start getting some massive detox withdrawals from the chemical sugar. But after two weeks it goes away and actually you, start, you stop asking for it so much too, so that's kind of nice. Uh, what's the next one here? Low-carb recipes. I'm not into low-carb, and I'm not really into the word diet. I'm more into the word lifestyle. I know it says diet on my board, but uh, I'm going to uh, really kind of change that word to, to lifestyle because it's really a long-term thing. Diets are meant to be broken, meant to be violated. They change from week to week, month to month, or year to year. Tend to, anyways. But the reason I included this one is because there's a really good ranch mix one on here. <laughs> <laughs> so I just thought you'd like it. I like it. Number 10. A byproduct, I'm sorry? Oh, a byproduct of getting healthy is, can be weight loss. Diana knows, right? You didn't come here for that. Came here for some other issues. You've been monitoring things. It's been four weeks, lost 12 pounds. Kind of a nice side benefit, you know. That we were talking, Chef, and we were talking about that today. So, congratulations. Keep up the good work. But for those of you who want to kind of kickstart that process, or who want to do like a weekly, or a, excuse me, a, a, like a monthly or a quarterly purification, this is a great way to do it, and it tastes amazing. This stuff tastes amazing. The recipe's on the back. And the only thing you're going to find that I have issue with is day four, it mentions skim milk, and you want to use almond milk. Don't use skim milk, use almond milk. But the rest of the recipe, for the most part, is pretty, uh, and that recipe, that soup recipe on the back of it, is amazing. And preferably almond milk is Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I said Repeat not the almond milk with the carrageenan in it. So yes. the Calypia in the bottle is the better one. Yeah. No added anything. How many of you know what you're looking for when you read labels? Here's the number one thing you're looking for. I know some of you know the answer. Sugar. The least amount of ingredients, the better. So when you pick up an apple and look at it and you look at the label. There's a label. Oh, there isn't. I'll be darned, isn't that interesting? <laughs> All right, reading list. Um, this is, this top one on this reading list is Nourishing Traditions by Sally Fallon. One of the best, one of the best, absolutely one of the best <coughs> cookbooks you could ever own. For those of you that still cook in your own kitchens. It's amazing. Talk about kefir recipes, or kombucha, or how to make all of your own stuff, right? Um, this gal, she usually travels around. If you look her up online, at Nourishing Traditions, and look up Sally Fallon, she's still traveling the country teaching classes and things of that nature. And uh, one of these times, we might try to get her to come to LCCC and put a big group of people together to see if she can teach for a day, because she is just, you get to sit and listen to her all day. She's got it down on how to cook and keep it healthy, keep it affordable, keep it nutritious, keep it time sensitive. I mean, we're, the problem with modern living is, is it's extremely convenient, but it's not very healthy. 
and we have figured out how to trade certain aspects of our life for others, right? When it's quick, easy, simple, affordable, then we trade off to get that, right, and to save time. To get those conveniences, we trade off good health, harmony within our, you know, our heart and our minds and our spirit. We trade off so many other things that in the big picture are more valuable. But we're all living in the micro picture, right? They've got to, you know, the quick fix, got to do it now kind of mentality. And it's not our fault. We just, that's the society we live in. I mean, it's, that's just the unfortunate, you know, generational evolution, I guess they call it. It's just from one to the next. And it's just getting more and more to where time is more important than your own health. Money's more important than your own health. Convenience, right? Those are the things that we're trading. So that food list or that reading list, there's some really good stuff on there. I think uh, um, I, there's one on here, four down. Going back to the basics of human health by Mary Frost. I don't think you can get that one anymore. I think the FDA put the kibosh on that one, unfortunately, because they clearly know more about how you should take care of yourself than you do, right? We all agree with that? Mm -hmm. I think so. <laughs> Death begins in the colon. That's this one. Um, this is a fascinating, this was so good that it actually, we reprinted this and put it in my book. It's just that good in terms of digestion, hormones, brain function, uh, structural integrity, right? How well your liver performs, how well your, your respiration and your cardiovascular, every system in the body is affected by this. And uh, so this is uh, one that I feel is really important that everybody have. Pay attention to it, but then there's some things that we do in testing down the road when we start looking at different cleanses and things of that nature to correct that problem. Body reprogramming, some of you already got this. I think it's worth revisiting. There's body reprogramming and also I think included in that is uh, what a healing cycle is. Yeah, page two, what a healing cycle is. I think it's important for people to understand that as you change your diet, you change your lifestyle, I should say. What's that? Going back to the basics of human health. Yeah, it's there. Good. So, uh, if you, uh, and as you change your lifestyle, and you're doing supplements to support that lifestyle change, because again, when we get into the dietary side of this and the food combined, which we're going to do here in just a few minutes, um, it's important to remember that diet is first, supplements are second. Unfortunately, most people, when they get here, we need to do some supplements first until their diet gets in place, and then the supplement requirements drop. The goal is not to be living on five and six handfuls of supplements every day. And I'm here to tell you, I'm the first one here to tell you, because I've proven it to myself, if you don't like the size of your program, get your diet straight, your program gets smaller every time. Every time. There's some people in here that only have two or three items they're taking. That's truth, right? And over time, they get, they get seen less than that. And then, unfortunately, there's some that, you know, there's, their programs are a little bit bigger. They got more challenges, they got to figure it out. But the longer your lifestyle, meaning diet, stays in place, the better you're going to do. And the less supplementation you're going to have to take. And that's always encouraging because it saves money. But as your body's able to go through this stuff, don't be alarmed. Sometimes you might feel a little worse before you feel better. Some people, like, they'll start feeling rude right away, and then they'll kind of, oh, I had a little bad, and then they get better. And it's that they, the, pro, the reprogram of the body <coughs> restores exactly the same way, just in reverse of how it got ill. It can't do it any other way. The good news is it never takes as long to get healthy as it took to get ill. That's the good news. Because most people have invested a lot of hard work and effort on doing the wrong things for 10, 20, 30 years, right? And it takes three to six months, or maybe a year to three years to erase that 30, right? So you have to work hard, yeah. you have to be really patient. That's the mindset. This is one area that we don't get to just flip a switch and it's fixed, right? This is an area that takes effort and patience long term. Um, lastly on here is the different names of sugar, right here. And that should be all of your handouts. Got them? Perfect. I've written some things on this board that I want to make sure everybody's aware of as we kind of transition into the last 
phase of this of the class. Um, and I encourage you to write these down because this tonight's class is really more of the philosophical side of developing that new lifestyle. It's not about supplements. We're not going to talk about supplements. We might talk about their role in your program, but we're not going to talk about it specifically. And we're not going to talk about the crazy testing that we do with kinesiology and try and explain that in any detail. We're really going to focus on what a lifestyle could look like in terms of a basic model that anybody in here can adopt if they choose to. If they choose to, they can adopt it. Okay? And then take action on it over time, give the body three to six months or one to three years or whatever to respond and see how the results are. Um, going into this daily nutritional. The number one, going back to this one. This is my book report on this. So you can get this and read it if you want. It's a novel book, but it's not a novel book. I'm here to tell you, you'll be asleep. Or you can just take my book report. How many want the book report? The book report version, sure. Who doesn't? Um, try and write this somewhere in your notes, because I want to give you this little base to go by. I like simple things that work. Um, to know me, some people in here know me pretty well, and to know me is to know I'm one of the laziest people you ever meet. Believe it or not. But my laziness, on one end of the spectrum, is only equally matched by how I like to research and find the simplest way to get the best bang for the buck. Right? In terms of, because i got to do this stuff too. Right? So, there's a definition of success and a definition of failure that I like. And I want, you to, I want to share them with you because it kind of sets the mindset that's required of anybody, regardless of anything that's worthwhile for them to achieve. You've got to have this in place. Or some version of it. Regardless if you want to bench press 300 pounds or run a mile in you know, four minutes or whatever it is that you want to achieve, right? Family, <coughs> friends, your relationship with God, whatever it is that's important to you. You have to have kind of a philosophical viewpoint or a benchmark to go from, right? That's just been proven time and time again by anybody that's achieved anything worthwhile. Okay? So I'm going to give you a definition of success. It's not maybe the only one, but it's a definition, right? And I encourage you to write this in your notes. A definition of success is a few simple disciplines practiced every day. That's it. A few simple disciplines practiced every day. A few simple disciplines. How many of you ever heard an apple a day keeps the doctor away? How many of you ever heard that, right? That sounds simple, right? How many of you had an apple today? Two people, three. I was one of them. Okay, cool. So we all know that, and what if it's true? That would be easy to do, right? Mm -hmm. But it's also easy not to do, and that's the problem. It's easy not to do those simple disciplines on a daily basis. It's easy just to, oh, forgot to eat the apple today. Right? So a few simple disciplines practiced every day, and all the information that you've been exposed to is designed to give you some foundation for the lifestyle that you want to design. You can pick and choose. I don't expect anybody in here to do all of it, ever. I expect you to go through it and absorb it and say, that speaks to me, I'm going to do that and see how your body responds. Whether your partner or your husband or whatever, it doesn't matter. Whether they choose to do it or not. I encourage you to start developing a few simple disciplines that you can practice every day. will make 80% of the difference in how <coughs> your success turns out. It's been proven. Now, here's a definition of failure. This is the one that trips us all up. Myself included. Some area of our lives, right? Definition of failure is a few errors in judgment repeated every day. <laughs> right? Just a few errors in judgment repeated every day. That simple little thing. Right? I'm convinced that there's absolutely nothing a human being can't do as long as they're willing to even pay the price of the consequence. <laughs> right? And there's a price to be paid for practicing a few simple disciplines every day, and there's a consequence to be paid for a few errors in judgment repeated every day. Simple as that. I don't know how to make it any simpler. And that is the foundation for lasting results in anything that you choose to do. So my little square boxes I put in there, if you draw three squares and large enough to write the little letters I've got there, I'll explain what that means. 
so that you can understand that if you understand the difference between success and failure, and this is 80% of your health is in these little boxes, you're going to have a foundation in place for an absolutely amazing lifestyle. Amazing. When it comes to your health. But you got to do it. My favorite little saying up there, we don't get a complaint about results we didn't get with work we didn't do. I don't think there's anybody in here, but I've had some complain to me over the years, and I just ask them, well, what did you do? And they say nothing. I says, well, sorry about your luck. Not my fault. <laughs> you know, if you don't put forth the effort, you don't reap the rewards, period. End of discussion. You know? So, the little square in the middle, NK, stands for nutritional kinesiology. When we do an exam on somebody and we evaluate their current status to determine where the stress is, what's causing it, and how to clear it, so we can then recommend dietary, then some lifestyle, meaning supplement, changes that they should really look at strongly, especially the first 30 days, that's the smallest piece to the puzzle. Now, I spend a lot of time on it, and we go through it every visit. But the reason we do that is because from one visit to the next, your stress patterns change. The needs have shifted. We've got to keep evaluating, right? Are we doing the very best with your nervous system, not to you, but with you, that your body would like to have us do? So that's what that middle section is. But the next biggest piece of the puzzle is your personal digestion. EIG, digestion. I would say, it's pretty safe to say, that 80% or greater of all the people that come to this clinic come here with some form of issue right here, right? Gas, bloating, nausea, heartburn, something, right? Aches, cramps, right? That type of thing. So 80% of it is going to be right there, that digestion. It's going to be a huge piece. But the biggest piece of the overall puzzle to your lifestyle is your diet when it comes to health. That's the biggest piece of the puzzle. And there's no getting around it. Every single person on the planet is a nutrition case. <clears throat> start time may be different. Their start times are different, right? Some of you have known about this office for a year or two before you got here. Or some of you ran into two or three or four or five people, you know, and then, or, or knew somebody that started getting results and said, oh, okay, I'll check it out, you know? But everyone's a nutrition case. Their start times are different, right? So those are the three biggest pieces of the puzzle. You put those in place, you have the right lifestyle platform to go from for your health. And just remember that either you learn the discipline that you need to practice on a daily basis, or you continue to repeat the errors. It's up to you. That's called being empowered. Somewhere I read one time, it said there's a line that says, the truth will set us free. But nowhere does it say in there that it tastes good, feels good, gives you warm fuzzies. It just says it'll set you free, right? kind of a promise. I kind of like that. So, that's the foundation that you want to develop. Because I'm lazy and I want to do real simple and there it is. If you do it, guarantee you get results. Period. Every time. 6211, for those of you doing food logs, here's how you get to 60 or 80-20. 80-20. Six veggies. Two fruit, one starch, and one meat protein daily. And that's how you get to 80-20. How, how, how challenging would it be to get six vegetables in a meal in one day? Huh? It's easy. It's easy not to do too, though, right? <laughs> Smoothie, salad, right? We take advantage of both on a regular basis here. That's my usual my lunch. Here's where it gets interesting. Two fruits a day, but should be by themselves and away from other foods. Here's why. Fruit, but from a digestive standpoint, is not designed to spend much time in the gastric fluid in the stomach. It's designed to get dropped on into the small intestine and to be broken down and absorbed that way. But every time you eat it with something else, it gets stuck in the stomach longer than it should be there. And even though it's fructose, right, safe sugars for most people, it'll leave kind of a little layer of sugars behind, which will promote gas, bloating, nausea, heartburn, and infections. It's like a Petri dish in the stomach. Okay? 
So when you eat it by itself, it goes through faster, or if you do it as a smoothie, then you don't have to worry about mixing it with other foods because it's already liquefied. Chime is the, you know, the liquid form of food. They call it chime, and it'll get through out of there much quicker. Okay. So, like, if you put the veggies and the fruit in yep. your smoothie, you're yep. okay. Roll with okay. it. <laughs> and a little piece of avocado and some cayenne pepper and a tablespoon of blackstrap molasses, which is the best vitamin mineral supplement there is, by the way. A tablespoon of blackstrap molasses. Absolutely amazing what it does in the human body. Blackstrap molasses. Blackstrap molasses. You get that at natural grocers. You can get it at any store in town. Tammy, can't you get that in any store? Blackstrap molasses? Pretty much get that anywhere, can't you? Yeah. yeah. Better than 100% maple syrup? Yep. Much better. Much better. And it's not nearly got the quantity of sugar. Um, somewhere in there, I don't think it was in tonight's handout though. Um, put this in your notes though while we're on maple. It reminded me, agave, avoid it like the plague. <laughs> Avoid it like the plague. You talk about getting a fatty liver from eating too much agave. It'll happen quick. Agave is not your friend. Agave? It's like a honey. It's like a honey, but yeah, and it, but it's like three times sweeter. It's like a nectar. Yeah. Yeah. I don't use it, but I just know that the the, the, the numbers on it are not good. And boy, can it mess up your liver quick if you're eating too much of it. So that's 80-20, that's how you arrive at 80-20. Some of you are 60-40, some of you are 65-35, 70-30, Well, not that was some time ago. And then this one right here is the biggest challenge of all, to separate starch from protein, meat protein. Um, so if you go to Texas Roadhouse, you want to eat a big steak and a big salad and a big bunch of veggies, have at it. Take the potato home and eat it about a half hour or an hour later. And their bread, I got some amazing bread there for those of you that can eat bread. Because here's what happens. Here's the stomach. I'm not a very good artist. There's, it looks like Mr. Potato Head. Um, so here's what happens. When you take a bite of meat and you chew it up really good, it stimulates the hydrochloric acid pumps to acidify that beaker of gastric fluid so that you can break down fats and meat properly, okay? So it stimulates that to happen. Then, and hydrochloric acid is an acidic substance. Then you take a bite of the bread or the potato, right? You start chewing it up real good. By the way, digestion starts here. <coughs> right? How many, write this in your notes. This right here will save your life, I promise you. Right? This has just occurred to me. Drink your solids and chew your liquids. Just write it down. Drink your solids and chew your liquids. We've all eaten corn. <laughs> right? Didn't chew it up well enough. Right? And it came out the same way it went in, right? Which means you got zero nutritional value out of that. It passed right on through. There's no teeth in here, right here. That's why juicing is such an amazing thing to do. Jack LaLanne proved that. How many of you ever heard of Jack LaLanne? Right, the juice man? How many of you know who his mentor was? A guy by the name of Paul Braggs. Bragg's apple cider vinegar. That was Jack Lane's mentor. Paul Bragg's died 96 surfing with his 18-year-old girlfriend. With a full head of hair, right? He was a five-time or four-time Olympic gold medalist in swimming back before the turn of the century, 19th century. He died at 96 surfing. And she played L.A. May Clampett on the Beverly Hillbillies. That was her career. So is it good to drink a tablespoon of apple Absolutely the best thing you could do in the planet. It's one of those disciplines that everybody should do. What did she say? Should people, she asked about the, because the, there's all, you know, 
on Facebook and all this other stuff about, oh, do the apple cider vinegar, right? Nobody knows what to believe anymore because we're all headline readers and we don't dive deep enough to find out anything really of value. We just look at the headline and go, oh, that must be great. And uh, so she asked the question if that was good. It's absolutely good. People who have heartburn, if they don't have a hiatal hernia, which we figure out how to drop if you do, um, should have a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar in room temperature water. And when they sit down to their meal, they have two or three bites, chew it up really good, right? Drink your solids, chew your liquids, right? Swallow that, stimulate digestion, and then take a little sip, like a thimble full of that, and just sip, swish, and swallow. And a couple more bites, and then swish and swallow. No more heartburn. There's Nexium and Prilosec and all these other things that are destroying your mineral absorption, which are positioning you for horrendous degenerative diseases, including cancer, down the road, because minerals can only be broken down and utilized by the body in an acidic environment. And when you take antacids and Tums and Nexium and Prilosec, you kill that right here, done. It's a matter of time before you develop a serious degenerative disease. Serious. It's just a matter of time. And when you look on the labels of those things, the instructions, they say, oh, a couple weeks, used for two weeks. You know, people have been on that stuff for 10 years. You know? Destroys the digestive tract. So yes, apple cider vinegar. It's got the mother in it. Yes. Yep, it's got the mother still in the bottom. When it settles, you'll see it like a white little film. You shake that up, and you pour a little tablespoon in the glass, and you sip it with every meal. And you'll absolutely be amazed at how you feel. Absolutely be amazed. Because think, another thing that's kind of a misnomer that people think about, oh, pH. i got to have my pH right. pH is everything. If I don't get my pH straight, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to be fouled, right? And the reality of it is there's a book. Let me see if I can draw it from memory by a guy by the name of Gary Tunsky. You're going to want to pick it up. It's a quick read, paperback, like that. And it's by Gary Tunsky. He's a nutritional scientist, actually. He has a clinic in Florida, a clinic in Texas. He wrote a book 20 years ago, if not more, called The Balance for Health is Over pH. It's one of the best books you can ever read on the topic because it demystifies this acid-alkaline relationship. And, oh, you've got to be alkaline or you're, or you're going to be ill. That's not true. You have to be alkaline to acidic to a variety. It has to be a balance of those things. And the number one thing that influences it is diet. It's the number one thing that influences it. On the cover, it's a green book, a little paper, you'll find it really on Amazon probably. But on the cover, it's a scale. And on one side is meat and vegetables and fruits, and on the other side is like a burger and McDonald's. And I'm sorry? Yes, The Balance for Health is Over PH by Gary Tunsky. It's a quick read. It's a fantastic read. It actually gives you a list of the foods you should eat and a list of the foods you should avoid. And some of the foods are acid-forming foods. We need a certain amount. That's why 80-20. 80% of the, the model that we use tends to lean more towards alkalizing, but you still got to have a certain level of acid. You have to. That's how you maintain balance. I know people walking around drinking 9.5 alkaline water. Oh, you need this. It's like <laughs> you want parasites throughout your gut? Keep drinking that stuff. Because that's what it'll do. You know an alkaline burn is worse than an acid burn? It is. Alkaline is worse on you. It can be in extremities when it's extreme. So you eat the bread and the liver and the pancreas say, oh, no, no, no. We need enzymes. We need enzymes. Let's throw some enzymes in the gut. Well, now, and enzymes... Alkalize. So what happens when you mix acids and alkalines together? Neutralizes. And then what's left is, here comes the heartburn. It's a gaseous form. And then you take tums to put the last of the acid out. And then just completely obliterate your digestion. Okay? So that's why it's important. 6211. Do that the best that you possibly can. We don't live in a society that thinks that way. But society is not out to try and keep you healthy. It's out to sell you something that's quick and easy and simple and affordable, but not very nutritious. The other thing, too, is like we get older generations of people, right? Like my oldest, my oldest client, I think, at the time was 96. I think it was my oldest client at one time. My youngest was six weeks premature. <laughs> So it's kind of covered the gamut, right? 
But this guy used to, um, he used to uh, uh, be able to like, he's not cast iron stomach, he was, good, he was in good shape. He, his program was like two things. And he and I got to talking one day, I said, why do you, th I asked him, I said, why do you think that is? He said, because I wasn't raised with a fast food joint on every corner. <laughs> when he, you know, 60, 70 years ago, 80 years ago when he was a kid, uh, 80 years ago, I've been 16, so 85, 90 years ago, growing up as a child, they raised all their own food, and they raised, you know, they collected their own milk, and they didn't, you know, destroy it with pasteurization, all that stuff. So they were raised on real food. I was nine years old before the first fast food joint came to my town where I grew up. There was an A&W. My grandmother forbid us to eat there. She said, "You want one of them funky-looking little burgers? Here, I'll make your burger. You know how grandmas make burgers, right? Right? Big, fat, and the bread hanging off the side. It's all spongy on all the way around, and just greasy. Yeah." Here, eat that. That's a burger. So we did. Okay. Top six foods to avoid in wine. Part of your disciplines. I promise you if you do this, this half a dozen things will make 80% of the difference in how you feel. Half a dozen things will make 80% of the difference. Number one, white sugar. I've already given you 146 reasons why. Can't imagine you need more. <laughs> Just kidding. <coughs> Number two, white flour. How many of you ever put flour in a bowl and added some water? Does it, what happens to it? Turns to a glue, turns to a paste. It was actually the original wallpaper paste. That's, there's houses still out there from the 30s and 40s that have, if they're still erected and have wallpaper, it's what's holding that together is, is flour. So it's got to be good for us to eat, right? <laughs> I'm going to show you what it talks about death begins in the colon. These are the effects of the standard American diet on the 26 foot of piping that we have with a surface area larger than a tennis court. And that's why we can abuse ourselves for decades before we start developing debilitating symptoms. Symptoms that get our attention day in and day out. Well, you can, you can abuse yourself. What you're looking at is White flour and white sugar products have accumulated in the GI tract over time. Here's why it's black. It takes apple pectin, pharmaceutical grade charcoal, and whole flax seeds with some bentonite clay to pull it out. And when you get a colonoscopy and it's all pretty and shiny and looks also, and the vein structure, and just, oh my gosh, it looks so great in there. That shine is the mucus that they're looking through. Because in the bowel, it's clear. But it can be as much as that thick aligning in there. And that's leftovers from the standard American diet. This right here is what a polyp looks like. That's a polyp which offsets the diverticuli. Little, little. If you live in this country any length of time, you have to a lesser or greater degree the stuff that's in here. Um, this group right here came out of a seven-year-old girl. Excuse me, 12-year-old. That group right there. And this stuff is hard. It's like a braided rope when they pull it out. Obviously the bed night and the things they use to pull it will make it harden up like that because you gotta get that, that mucosal lining out of these false encasements. But that's what you're looking at. What about like Italians and people that live in Paris and stuff? Like they eat breads and pastries, but the difference is they're made like fresh and they don't have mm -hmm. all the like the preservatives. Chemicals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you can't pronounce an ingredient, you it's not food. It. That's another thing about reading labels. If you look at a label and you can't pronounce it, it's not food. Don't eat it. I mean, if you're going to eat a white bread, like a fresh baked, like mm -hmm. sourdough. sourdough. Yeah. Sourdough. Go with sourdough. You know, Europeans, um, their diet is different. Yep. But they do something else different, too. They walk way more. Because yep. Public transportation is so right. They don't have a sedimentary, uh, sedentary lifestyle like we do here. It's all city for the most part. So. One of my coworkers is from Germany, and she can't. She, our, our bread is different. Our, just everything is. Well, look at Wonder Bread. No. <laughs> it's a wonder you're not dead. <laughs> Did you know you can leave a Wonder Bread closed, and you can actually compress it into the palm of your hand? Mm -hmm. 
It's just gross. There's nothing. There's nothing there. It's filler. Well, even their sodas, if you do like happen to have a can of soda over there, yep. they have real sugar, and they're like this big yep. versus yep. this big. They don't have forty-two ounces of monsters. Yeah, it's all in moderation. It's really kind of fascinating. We've already talked about dairy products, pus and jug. We're talking about the pasteurized stuff now. There's a there's a farm. Uh, her necky, uh, necky, Her name is Becky Borsma, and she has abundance acres in Chugwater. I just talked to her the other day. She delivers to Cheyenne, but they're in the process of buying a bigger place and moving, and so she's been a little out of pocket. But farm fresh eggs, goat cheese, milk—I mean, all this other stuff—you can get that abundantly here in Wyoming. You know what? And the taste is ever. You ever cracked a, a like a commercial egg and a farm fresh egg? And put them in the pan side by side and look at the contrast. It's orange. It's it's more like a reddish orange, and it'll stand up that high. And the egg white's like kind of cloudy on the the non-farmers. Yep. It looks like snot, like a clear snot in the commercial one, where the whites look like a white. It's amazing, and the taste is different too. Number four, pork. Here's why pork made the hit list. And I know you're frowning, Kat. You're not a person. Your book said something about pork. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) I know. Well, the guy that got after me about making the comments about milk, and I decided to clarify with him, it's pasteurized milk I'm talking about. Pasteurized milk. If you want to see what is actually in the, that's supported in pork meat, just visit the slaughterhouse sometime when they do pigs. And go examine the gut piles of pigs, and you'll see parasites kind of crawling around after they've sat out a while. Um, and this guy told me, he said that, you know, basically the comments that I make about bloodborne parasites, he said they've seen it. They've actually, you can take a pork roast and you can put it in the oven on 500 degrees overnight, pull out this lump of coal when it's done, slice it in half, and cut out a section in the middle. Take out a rubber glove and put a little piece of that meat in the palm of your hand and hold it for an hour. When you drop that piece of meat and get a magnifying glass, you'll see parasite activity in the palm of your hand. So they're impervious to heat. They are impervious to heat. So if you're going to eat pork, just know you're going to do a parasite cleanse a couple of times a year, if not more. Minimum. That's just a trade-off. Right? It's just a trade-off. Back in Europe... Several hundred years ago, not even that, 120 years ago maybe, they would actually, they would inspect the flocks, they'd kill it, they'd inspect it, and if they found parasites, it was not fit for human consumption. That's what they used to do. Now they don't inspect hardly at all anymore this time. So, foods fried in oils, we've all heard that one. It's a really important one. This goes back to the cholesterol discussion, right, about... For example, on the cholesterol side, there are Eskimos in Alaska who have uh, average total cholesterol rates of between 350 and 450. And their incidence of arteriosclerosis, heart attack, and stroke is almost non-existent. (laughs) Right? But it's because they don't cook the fat. Mm -hmm. every, Every house in America has a backyard what? Yep. And when you cook that fat and you change it, your body can't process it. So it says, well, I can't process it. I can't break it down effectively or as fully as I like. I'll just store it. And that's what happens. So foods fried in oil is going to turn from trans fat to unsaturated fat to a trans fat. Transfers that fat into something your body cannot handle. Saturated to unsaturated. Right? Avocados are good for you. Don't superheat them. Olive oil is great. In fact, one of the therapies you can do on a daily basis, especially with spring coming up, spring and summer, someday, coming coming from Wyoming. <laughs> tablespoon of olive oil a day, just swallow, just swallow it. And when summertime hits around, if you're prone to burning, you won't burn nearly as quick. It'll protect the pigments in your skin, and you'll just turn brown as a berry. It's amazing. Yeah, well, they're, well, yeah, they're eating olives all day. They're eating the, all, the oils all the time. Mediterranean diet is one of the healthiest diets on the planet. How much? Tablespoon a day. Tablespoon a day. Mm-hmm. The good stuff. 
And if you're prone to having kidney stones or gallstones, it'll help lubricate those pathways and help move them out. Yeah. Is coconut oil good for you? Yes. Yes, it is. It's not just a in in the I can't remember which chapter it is in our book, but we talk about the the weight loss protocol. And for some people, that in order to access fat reserves, they have to have two to three tablespoons of. That will do it for Total Wellness Radio. Thank you once again for tuning in. And just to mention as a reminder, don't forget about our six-day mentorship program for practitioners who really want to thrive in the natural wellness industry and build a long-lasting, sustainable, prosperous business. We do a six-day hands-on immersion where for four days, you follow me and my staff around. We see well over 120 people in clinical practice. Plus, we spend day five in the classroom putting your practice all together on paper in the practice creation form. And finally, day six, hands-on drilling with nutritional kinesiology, one of the most effective ways to evaluate a client's needs that there is today. So for reaching out to us on that, just call me directly, 307-631-5300, the number 307-631-5300 for more information on our six-day mentorship program. And thank you once again for tuning in to Total Wellness Radio.